Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. This is Pastor Jeremy. Today we continue our sermon series, The Calling, on the callings that five different people received from God and how they responded. We hope to follow in hearing the calling of God in our own lives and responding faithfully. Today we hear God's calling to the prophet Jeremiah, starting in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you, and before you were born I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go out to all I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Your calling begins in God. God does not exist to support your agenda. He exists for His. You were created to glorify God. You are most fulfilled when glorifying God, and you will be unsatisfied with life when you are focused on your life on yourself. People often hear truths like, we were created to glorify God, and they compare it with, God created me because He loves me. Listen. Everything God does is about glorifying you. This is one of the most important truths that you will ever learn. Everything is about God. He is the center of creation. Romans 11.36 reads, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, God declares, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. All existence is about Him, not you. When we make the world and God all about us, all about our happiness, that's when things fall apart. That's why people break down and they lose their faith in God when things don't go their way. That's why we can't find peace and joy when we're not happy and when things hurt. It's because their faith was in a God that doesn't exist. They were believing in a genie who served them, answering their wishes and supporting their plans. The biggest lesson you will ever learn is this. All things, including you, were made in our plan to demonstrate the greatness of God. Now, we might object. That makes God a narcissist. That makes God selfish. Isn't God love? He has to be all about me and doing things for me because he loves me. Not so. There is something that you are missing. Because God glorifying himself in all things, orchestrating all things, including you to demonstrate his greatness, that's what glorifying God means, demonstrating his greatness, is the most loving thing that God could ever do. God is the greatest, most valuable thing in all of existence, and he's the one thing that will satisfy you and never leave you wanting more. He's the one thing that will never change and that will meet all your needs and will be there in the end and never leave nor forsake you. The most loving thing that God could ever do for you is to give you himself, to demonstrate to you in all creation his greatness. God's glorifying himself and using you to do so is the most loving, gracious, merciful, fulfilling thing that God could ever do for you. It is the one thing that will give you peace and joy and true hope. It is the truth that will rescue you from selfishness and hate. It's the It will give you hope that rises above your sufferings and the troubles of this life. So God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. 
appointed you a prophet to the nations. He said to me, before I was formed, I formed you in the womb before any of your physical matter that, that is you existed. I planned you and I had a plan for your life. I appointed you pastor of Stanford Christian Church as husband to Tiffany and father to Micah and Asher and a friend to these people and a servant to these people and you'll do this and we'll use you to teach them that and you can fill in the blanks for your own life. Some of you have owned the titles, but not the callings. You take the name of father, grandfather, friend, wife, husband, mother, servant, church member, neighbor, Christian, but you have not begun to answer the calling that God has given you in those areas. You're not doing what God gave you those positions or those relationships to do. You're just existing, taking and doing what you want. You're not demonstrating God's greatness or building up or doing good to others in the areas of your life that God has given you. The first step to answering the calling of God is to believe in Jesus and receive his salvation. We are all separated from God because we have chosen other gods to worship and serve in sin. However, God loved us too much to leave us apart from him. He sent Jesus to come and to live a sinless life to be the perfect sacrifice. He, he died on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserved and then rose again on the third day to give us new life. He calls you. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When you believe in him and he applies his work to you, the Holy Spirit regenerates you. He equips you and empowers you to do what he's calling you to do. If you've never believed in Jesus, or maybe you have, but you've not been baptized, talk to me. Tell me and we'll move forward. The second step in answering the calling of God is applying what God says to us in Scripture to our own specific life situation. You must be daily reading the Word and praying for God to help you know how to live it out in your life. I've heard a pretty good acronym for reading Scripture and understanding how it applies to us, and we're going to use it today. The word STOP. S-T-O-P. You need to know the situation. That's S. The situation that the words were written in the biblical story. You need to know the context. Are the words a part of a larger story? Who's speaking the words that you're reading? Is it Old Covenant or New Covenant? That's a big one because many Christians are out there carrying out Old Covenant commands even though we live in the New Covenant under Jesus and Jesus fulfilled those Old Testament commands. The Old Covenant was a step to get to Jesus and the New Covenant. Make sure you know the situation of what you're reading. Second, type. That's T. What type of writing are you reading? Is it poetry, narrative, apocalyptic literature? Is it a letter to someone? Make sure you know the situation and the type of writing. O is object. Is it writing to everyone, to a specific person? Take our passage for today, God speaking to Jeremiah. So while there are truths in the passage for us to learn, the calling to be a prophet to the nations is not for everyone. It was for Jeremiah alone. Finally, P is for prescription. Is the passage prescriptive? meaning that it prescribes something you should do or think or say, or is it descriptive, meaning it describes something that was done. It may be right or it may be wrong, but it's simply describing something. So we have S-T-O-P, stop, situation, type, object, and prescription. 
This will help us to apply the scriptures to our own life and hear God's calling in our own individual situation. There are some callings that God has placed in our lives. He calls us all to love others. He calls all to pray, to read scripture, to study, to be active in a local church, to work for the salvation of the discipleship of other people. These are callings that he calls us all to. Then he also gives us individual callings to certain jobs, tasks, locations, ministries, services, certain friend groups, certain neighborhoods. Whatever it is he leads you to, that is, he is not leading everyone else to. Those are your individual callings. He didn't call everyone to be a school teacher, but he certainly called some of you. He didn't call everyone to go on mission to Indonesia, but he certainly called some. I don't want to make everything about church now. One fear I always have as a pastor is that I ever communicate that living the Christian life is all about what you do at the church. Church life is a part of the calling of God, but it's not all of it. God has called you to demonstrate his greatness, to love people, to to tell them about Jesus in every part of your life, at the ball field, at your friend's house, at the store, at work, everywhere else, and through the church as well. Sometimes we want to forget one part or the other, but it's both. You have callings that apply to both. Outside the church, it's a bit more difficult for me to help you without having in-depth conversations about it, which I would love to at some point. Inside the church, it's a little easier for me to help. One way for us to help is through ministry opportunities on the leaflet in your bulletin. Look that over and pray over it. Mark where you feel God is calling you to serve and then put it in the basket in the back. Even if you don't have an answer right now, that's fine. We're going to take these up for the rest of January. So you can return them today, the 21st, the 28th, and one time the next three weeks. Now, maybe you feel like you're not very good at any of those things. Maybe you don't feel like you have much to offer God. There, there are no ways for me to help. Know that Jeremiah felt the same way when God called him. He said, Ah, oh, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. God empowers and equips you to do what he calls you to do. We have and will continue to assert in every sermon throughout this series. You might think, I'm not, I don't know enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have those skills. I can't do that. I can't handle that. I'll never survive that. Maybe you can't right now, but you are forgetting that God provides. Jeremiah gives the reason he can't, the reason that God should send someone else. And God says, you shall speak whatever I command you. Then listen to this. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Now, I can imagine Jeremiah saying, wait a minute, should I be scared? You know, what will I need to be delivered from? Wait a minute, why, why would I? Why would you tell me not to be scared? Where are you sending me? And What are you going to do to me? But God doesn't give him all the details. Instead, he simply promises to give him what he should say when he needs it. He promises to deliver him when he needs it. Maybe can't right now because you don't need to. But God promises to give you the grace you need in that day. Jesus tells his disciples, 
when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you will answer or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the very hour what you ought to say. God created you. He formed you with a calling built into you. You will always be lacking, unfulfilled, missing something, frustrated until you answer that calling. You will be a bird that doesn't fly, a dog that doesn't hunt, a river that doesn't flow, grass that never grows, a tree that doesn't reach toward the sun. How sad are those? You're not doing what God made you to do. Don't make it too hard. Go and fulfill the callings that you know that he has given you. Love people, serve them, share hope with them. You you can't go wrong with that. I promise that's the right direction. Then you will be in a perfect position to hear God speak those more specific callings. Today, I want to end with a portion of an article written by Carolyn Ahrens in Christianity Today. She's a singer-songwriter. She writes, years ago, I toured as an opening act for Rich Mullins. I loved overhearing conversations at the autograph table. They often turned serious and urgent. More than once, a fan asked Rich how to discern the will of God, and Rich would listen and then offer an unexpected perspective. He'd say, I don't think finding God's plan for you has to be complicated. God's will is that you love him with all your heart and soul and mind, and also that you love your neighbor as yourself. Get busy with that, and then if God wants you to do something unusual, he'll take care of it. Say, for example, he wants you to go to Egypt. Rich would pause for a moment before flashing his trademark grin. If that's the case, he'll provide 11 jealous brothers and they'll sell you into slavery. When I find myself wrestling with life decisions, I think of Rich's Egypt principle. It makes me laugh. And then it asks asks me to get down to serious business of determining which of my options allow me to best love God and love other people. Maybe that's why Rich could claim that loving God and others takes care of most of our discernment questions. After all, the psalmist assures us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. God can be trusted to teach our hearts what to desire and to lead us by jealous brothers, burning bushes, or quiet inclinations to the places where our own unique giftings meet the movements of the kingdom. There we find consolation and joy. Thank you for listening to Stanford Christian Church. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. Have a great week. Love God. Love others. And tell somebody about Jesus.